I think um, okay. So bef- it's just funny you mentioned that because like before we get into your question, there's actually some people who believe that the people who have the genetic markers for addiction that are associated with addiction that it was an adaptive trait for human beings, meaning that um, people would have these random genetic mutations where they would be hardwired to be alcoholics and addicts before like drugs and alcohol existed as we understand them today, when we were like nomadic, and that those people actually had better chances at survival because when they found the fucking berries in the forest, they ate all the fucking berries. Do you know what I mean? Like they would pursue <laughs> they would pursue things with a vigor that was like unknown to the common man or woman. Um, and so they, they believe that it was actually like you had a better chance at procreating um, if you had this thing inside you that we call addiction. Welcome to Scratch Your Own Itch Podcast, the show about the things we think about but don't ever talk about. My name is Logan Tyler Nelson, and I'm your host. These conversations are about creating a life worth living. With a focus on sharing stories about battles in our heads, topics range from depression, addiction, self-doubt, past traumas, and everyday compulsive thinking. And my hope is that this show will just shed some light on anyone in the dark that feels like they're alone in their daily struggles. Please take note that this show is not meant to be a replacement for professional diagnosis or professional therapy. I am not a counselor or a therapist. Hey, guys, I have someone on the podcast today that is going to not only share his history with addiction, but also drop a few knowledge bombs. This guy, Chris, is hilarious, first of all. He runs this awesome podcast with a friend named Dave. He is the co-host of Dopey Podcast, an anonymous show about the dark comedy of drug addiction. Chris is a doctoral student in clinical psychology from Boston, and he has a lot of experience with the psychiatric institutions. He is a recovering addict and thinks humor and connection is a remedy for suffering. And I can't agree more. I really do believe that this show is lining up exactly with what he's trying to do on his own podcast. Those two guys, you got to check it out. It's Dopey Podcast. Just plug it in your iTunes, you're going to find it right away. Chris, though, let's not leave him just hanging here. Tell me, dude, what is your history with addiction and what what do you have? Nice. Yeah, I'm a, uh, a junkie, alcoholic, coke fiend, um, also known as uh, suffering from a substance use disorder. Um, I've been clean and sober almost four years. Um, I have a very long intricate history with drug abuse, a, a colorful past is the way I, I like to phrase it. A, um, a lot of what I say I'm envisioning on the show will be in the context of drug abuse, but um, the, you know we're all human beings and like <clears throat> what's unique to uh, drug addicts and alcoholics is that our coping method for the same negative feelings that everybody has kills us. But it's still the same experience. It's a human experience. And um, it tends to be sort of 
the least that I've seen is um, the way out of that, if you will not, the, the panacea for for curing addiction is like connection with other human beings and moving to a place of uh, humility and, and selflessness. And like, that's like the best way I've been able to sort of combat my own addiction and, and whatnot. And uh, so I'll just start with that little nugget. And um, I'm not sure really, I forgot what you originally asked. You were just sort of asking if I was a drug addict, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, some addictions that you've had? Uh, pretty much everything. So, <laughs> pretty, pretty <laughs> everything there. so uh, the first, I mean, I, I drank for the first time when I was 12, um, got like kind of drunk, but like didn't really like start running with it until I was 13, uh, 13, not 13, I got drunk again and then I smoked pot the next day and it just had this like profound effect on me. And um, for years, uh, I'd always felt like a little aloof, kind of like different from my peers. And like I earned labels and diagnoses, you know, ADHD or being just like a loner or something like that. And like looking back on it, like I think it was like I was bodily and mentally different from other people. Um, and it's because I have this thing inside me that people call like addiction. And, and, and people end up addicts and alcoholics all different ways. Um, there is like about half the people you can trace it in a hereditary sense and there's um, some genes associated with it. And like, I have that genetic loading. And um, I think that that manifested for me at like a really early age and, and uh, I would be impulsive and there was stuff even before the drugs and alcohol that I would do that was like indicative that like I was a little different. Like I was really into fire, like making bombs and like I would do like, like model rocketry, you know, model rocketry. Oh Yeah. The best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I would do that, but then I'd like, you know, we'd all be doing it and I'd be like, what happens if we like tie a rope to it and then like tie a rope to like the fence and launch it? You know, and we'd like launch it and then like fucking turn around and come back down at the ground and almost hit us. So like I always like had to like kinda like add gasoline to like the fire, you know what I mean? Like in, literally. In, in, yeah. yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. I always had to like juice it, you know, and add a little bit more to something. Um for like a, a more profound effect. So uh, the first, yeah, that that first time I really started running with this at 13, I drank and, and I smoked pot and it was like that stuff that I had been doing, the model rocketry and, and um, you know, I'd tie in the rope and like the bombs and stuff. And it's like, that was me sort of like seeking something to kind of like get out of self. And then when I got drunk that time and, uh, and then smoked pot the next day, it was like, I found this solution to like this problem that I didn't even know existed. And like, I finally felt like really comfortable and at ease in my own skin. And, uh, and then I just started like running from there. Like I got really into like experimenting with different drugs and I was really young. We moved to Boston at this time. Um, and I would do like over the counter shit. Like I got my first major, major addiction was cough syrup at like 13, 14 where like I would drink, like two bottles of eight ounce Robitussin maximum strength cough every night. And there's this stuff in it called dextromethorphan. Um, you can kind of like trip off of. And, uh, and ironically, it makes you really stupid the next day. And like it literally like decreases like your IQ significantly. And I was starting this new school and I drink the cough syrup like alone in my bathroom every night. And I'd just be like a total idiot at school and you get really sweaty and stuff, you know, and everyone was just like, who is this weird kid who like can't even string together a coherent sentence, you know? Um, but then I wouldn't do it one night and I'd be like a totally different person the next day. So like 
like even at that young young age when like you're trying to make new friends and a new school and like I the sociability aspect was already like kind of removed you know where I was like I was a solo mission abusing drugs like as much as I could as much as possible um and and with that it quickly progressed into like more serious things um you know 15 I tried heroin smoked crack um daily pot smoker you know before school after school drank as much as I could, um, and then uh, went off to college. I was always able to kind of do pretty well in school, like despite the like, budding alcoholism. And, uh, and then in college, I felt bad on my face, became like an around-the-clock drinker, uh, like with what comes with that, which is like you know, the shakes, the, they call them the, the DTs, the delirium tremens and seizures. Went to rehab for the first time. Uh, in rehab, somebody said like, oh, you'd never shot up. Like, that's too bad. Like that, that was the takeaway I had from rehab, you know? Um, and so I left rehab, started, you know, fell in love with the needle and ended up just IV Coke, IV heroin and, and plastic bottles of vodka. That was my addiction for like close to a decade. Um, so really ran the gamut. And then I was super into hallucinogenics, pretty much abused every drug except for PCP. That's like the only one I never did. Just because it wasn't around. Dude. Oh, my God. You've gone through the ringer. <laughs> like, everything that is not to be overdosed, you pretty much overdosed on and became uh, completely addicted to. And, and I, I have that reoccurring theme in my life with addiction. I mean, everything I find, I just I can't go, like, medium at it like that's just not within my personality at all like I can't just dabble with it and uh yeah you need extra of everything <laughs> yeah like I I even have on my phone man uh it, it says on, on my on my screen that literally that I'll read it to you all you need is less and this thing still doesn't remind me that all I need is less I feel like I need more and more and more and um, it screws up my relationships. It screws up my ability to get shit done when I need to get it done. But in a way, it's, I mean, that's a perspective, right? Like, in a way, it's kind of, of a superpower, I guess you'd say. Because um, once, yeah. once you get addicted to something that's good, like, you get really good at it. Um, is there anything like that in your life right now where you're like, you're super addicted to it, but it's actually a good thing? I think, um, okay, so bef it's just funny you mentioned that because like before we get into your question, there's actually some people who believe that the people who have the genetic markers for addiction that are associated with addiction, that it was an adaptive trait for human beings, meaning that um, people would have these random genetic mutations where they would be hardwired to be alcoholics and addicts before like drugs and alcohol existed as we understand them today when we were like nomadic and that those people actually had better chances at survival because when they found the fucking berries in the forest they ate all the fucking berries do you know what i mean like <laughs> they would pursue <laughs> they would pursue things with a vigor that was like unknown to the common man or woman um, and so they they believe that it was actually like you had a better chance at procreating um, if you had this thing inside you that we call addiction. However, then man crushed grapes, they created booze, you know, it started creating drugs, and 
people those people started dying killing themselves you know by drinking to death and whatever um so it's funny you say that that like you know it actually is you know there's some people who believe that uh and i think i heard that on, on maybe radio lab originally um that uh it is like a, a strength and 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 today i see that um and sort of anything I pursue, like, it's mostly like I have a natural curiosity for sort of spiritual things. Um, and I know that, uh, and like currently in my life, I'm not probably pursuing it to the level that I, I would, but like, um, it's a passion and it's like a drive that I have. And I know it'll be like a lifelong development and the, the benef benefits you reap from that, like, any human being, you know, if they choose to pursue some sort of spiritual path, whether they do that through, um, through their religion or through other means, like it can be sometimes not obviously, depending on if it's really dogmatic, it can be like a really positive force. And I say that cause it's like, I was interested in, um, meditation. And so like, I would go, I've been on these 10 day Vipassana meditation retreats where you, um, you know, you wake up at four thirty in the morning and you meditate until, nine at night your last meals at 11 a.m um you don't communicate with anybody and you're just silent all day and it's sort of like you know where's the where's the mindfulness at like i want to mainline that shit you know <laughs> um which is like I, I i think is probably a positive manifestation of like my addictive tendencies if you will um and, and i could see that even now like i'm in a uh I'm, pursuing a, a doctorate in clinical psych because it's like oh like i might as well go for a higher degree uh that said i'm a, a, an atrocious student i have horrible adhd and i do well but i don't apply myself the way i should have and I, I cut a lot of corners but um me pursuing higher education at that level is is in part i think like part of that whole thing you're talking about of, of doing things to access and it working out you know in in my advantage um Sometimes. <laughs> when you say cut corners specifically, I need to know just to feel less alone. Where do you cut corners? Um, well, if you're talking in terms of education, like uh, I'll say, and I'll apply it to different facets of my life, but in terms of education, like, you know, I'm taking five classes and doing like a full time internship right now. And uh, like the classes, they give you tons of reading. And um, I say we're a month into school and I haven't even opened my book for a couple classes. <laughs> I don't even do the readings. I don't do the assignments. Um, sometimes I might skim them and it's just like I've kind of – and this is in part because I spend so much time in psychiatric institutions. and you know, I'm 33 or the average student is probably 25 or 26 um, that I'm able to talk about it fluidly in class. But you know, my, my peers, my classmates are going to outpace me at some point where like – I'm always willing to say something and talk, you know, where I won't get quizzed on like basically what I had to prepare for class, but it seems like I did, you know, so I cut corners in that one sense. Um, and then I just, I got corners in like in a lot of places in life, you know, and it's like, I can do it in, in relationships, you know, with a significant other, with a woman, like I just like immediately wanted to be catapulted into like the next level and you know basically not wait until maybe not let it unfold organically or naturally um or uh i cut corners like even like in terms of my i'm in like i'm not in good shape at all but i'm not i'm not in a horrible shape and it's like um i eat compulsively and then i exercise compulsively and i never really get anywhere and i think 
I don't know, I wouldn't necessarily consider that cutting corners, but like if I had a, a more of like a middle sort of path approach to it, to, to, to speak in Buddhist terms, like I wouldn't, I would probably be exercising less and eating less, you know? Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense because I, I think everybody that has addictive tendencies like you and I, we fall into the all or nothing. Like, I, I, I don't know if you saw the movie Wolf of Wall Street. Did you see that? Yeah, I dropped acid in the bathroom during it. That was my, When it was in the theaters, that was um, like towards the end of my using. It's actually a funny story. But, oh. yeah, I saw it. <laughs> hey, uh, okay, I just real quick, tell us a story. I got to hear that. <laughs> I don't mind it. We'll talk about oh, it. Oh, man, it's really <laughs> – okay, so this is – uh for your listeners i just want to preface what i say like i i tell on on my podcast uh with my co-host dave dopey podcast we tell funny addiction stories and so this is actually one that i think is hilarious and i remember very clearly um it's <laughs> some might consider it kind of a sad story i'll tell you the whole whole picture i'll try to boil it down to like a four or five minutes so um i was living in new york city uh i uh, had a girlfriend like a we've been together for like a year and a half or so and um, I had uh, relapsed, um, and uh, I'd been sober for maybe two years, and I had relapsed, and I wasn't supposed to be using. And I convinced myself that it was okay to take hallucinogenics, um, which is kind of this nebulous area in the um, addiction world where you know some people get sober and they can successfully use them. And um, in some ways, it was actually indirectly the catalyst that helped get me sober, but um, I forever kind of damaged my relationship with substances and I can't successfully use it but I convinced myself I could take LSD and I had a bunch of LSD in my uh in my house and I put some in my wallet and I went to see Wolf of Wall Street with my girlfriend and um you know I was supposed to be sober and um and first of all the way people successfully use hallucinogenics in recovery is in sort of ceremonial spiritual ways they don't drop acid in the middle of a movie <laughs> <laughs> And so I went to the bathroom. I ate a bunch of ass. It was just really strong stuff off the dark web. And um, so we finished Wolf of Wall Street, which isn't a good movie to trip to. And we go back to my girlfriend's apartment, and the acid starts hitting. And I'm like, "Fuck!" Like she like is gonna know that like I took this. Like I can't hide it. It's like really strong. So I tell her, um, "I'm like, hey, like Tina, like you want to um, meditate?" And uh, she's like, "Okay." And so um, we meditate for 30 minutes and then, and this is, I have this plan in my head and, and I'm like, I'm going to tell her after we meditate that I feel like I'm tripping. So we meditate for 30 minutes. I open my eyes and I'm like, ah, oh, I was like, I feel really funny. And Tina looks at me and she's like, well, your, your eyes are huge. And I, I like pretend to go walk in the bathroom and I look in, in the mirror and I'm like, oh my God, it looks like I'm tripping. And uh, I was like, I think I'm having a flashback and like, the, the medical term for that is HPPD. It's hallucinogen persisting perceptual disorder, which some people is very rarely get from taking hallucinogenics. So like, I convince her, I'm like, oh, I'm having a flashback. Like the meditation must have triggered the flashback, but really I'm just tripping on acid, right? And so <laughs> she, she fucking buys it. She believes it. And she's like, oh, she's like, now you can just meditate whenever you want and trip. Like it's a good thing, you know? And so I'm sitting there and I start peeking and I'm, I'm looking at Tina and I'm like, God, like, I love this girl. Like, I can't lie to her. And so I'm like, uh, Tina, I got to tell you something. And she's like, what? I'm like, 
like I took acid. And Tina's like, no, you didn't. She's like, it's just a meditation. You're confused. Like she doesn't even believe me that I actually took the acid. I was like, no, like, like I took acid and like, she's still like, no, you're so confused. It's the meditation that triggered like, you know, the flashback. And so finally I'm like, no, like Tina, like during Wolf of Wall Street, I went into the bathroom, I took LSD out of my wallet and I put it on my tongue. And so when I said that, then she like believed me, you know, and uh, she like packs up all my shit and uh, is like, you need to leave. And as she's packing up my stuff, I'm like, I think I'm confused. Like maybe I didn't take the acid because I didn't want her to be packing up my shit. So she starts like, getting like paranoid and looking at the ground and like her eyes are darting back and forth. And, uh, I'm like realizing like, Oh God, I'm like such a douchebag. And so like, I tell her again, I'm like, Oh, I like, I took it. And so she gives me all my stuff and I'd given her this like 50 pound cast iron pig, um, as like a gift. Cause she loved pigs. And I just remember staring at that pig tripping being like, Oh, like, is she going to, is she going to give me that pig? Like to carry, like I'm going to have to carry that pig around Brooklyn. Like, I'm like, ah, like I am a pig. <laughs> I deserve to carry the pig around. Um, and then so she kicked me out and uh, I I couldn't even, I could barely cross the street, like let alone like get a cab or an Uber. And I, I remember going and getting on the subway and being like so scared. I had to like hug the side of the wall because I was depressed at what happened. I remember thinking like, and this is the, the real part about it, the scary part that like I was going to throw myself like in front of the train when it came in. And I remember literally hugging the wall at the, uh, it was the Morgan um, uh, subway stop in Brooklyn and Bushwick. I remember hugging the wall being like, uh, I-, I can't like stand near the track. So they might like, just like, I didn't trust that it would be a compulsion where I would like kill myself. Um, and so that was actually like a couple months before I stopped, you know, whenever Wolf of Wall Street was in the theater. So like that was, that was towards the end. Dude, so you, were you i i'm a little confused you might have said it maybe i just missed something would were you going to kill yourself because you just hated the state that you were in or were you going to kill yourself because of just being uh rejected like that i think it was it was the fact that like i mean as you can tell from what i said logan that like just drugs and alcohol have been the defining feature of my life since i was 13 years old even in sobriety um you know it's like i still i work in that field i'm becoming a psychologist to work in this field uh but whenever i took hallucinogenics i would have um (laughs) these sort of introspective nightmares that i needed to not take drugs and uh so i i told tina you know and like she kicked me out and it was just like that introspective nightmare of what drugs were doing to my life, coupled with the fact that this woman that I loved had kicked me out of her apartment, just didn't make like for a good recipe for me standing in front of like, you know, whatever, 10,000 pounds of steel flying 30 miles an hour down the track. <laughs> like I was not in a good state to be near there. And it was just sort of like, I didn't tr- trust myself in that moment, you know, almost like it would be, um, like an OCD thought to just do it. You know what I mean? It was like, I, I was, I, I didn't, well, I didn't feel like I was suicidal, but I felt like I might commit suicide compulsively on the substances. So when, 
when you had that thought though, because that that's it's wild how it all builds up like that. Because I know for me, when it's all about like I do believe in the sentence uh, "out of sight, out of mind." But man, you can get creative when you really want to kill yourself. Um, I know for me though, when I ever I did go that, like whenever I cross a line. Um, as far as like in my head, I actually feel like I did kill myself. Does that make sense at all to you that you maybe feel like sometimes you did kill yourself like that night, but then you woke up and it was all just like, I know it sounds like a trip right now to talk about that, but like a sort of, uh, in your head, you already killed yourself. So you know what it's like to kill yourself. So when it actually happens, you have no, uh, that's the one thing in life that's certain. And that's why it's not a very discomforting thing to talk about anymore is just because you've already gone through it in your head am i making sense yeah um it's almost uh, are you saying that like you the 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 idea of thinking about killing yourself or being suicidal um there's basically like a big sort of range of emotions maybe like an emotional displacement so once you kind of get back to that spot, it's like you've already sort of been there before. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. It's like um, I've already seen this movie. I know it happens. And it's yeah. the same thing your brain actually delivers to yourself is I've already seen this movie. I know exactly what pill I need to take. And I know exactly how many because 13 didn't work last time. 14 has to work this time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So – Totally. So you've had some uh, issues with some clinical depression, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, still going through it um, because I don't – that's why I call the show Scratch Your Own Itch Podcast anyways. It's because, like, for me, it's like an itch that will go away. And then the harder I scratch it, like, the more I think about it, uh, the harder it comes up. But it's it's it feels good in a way, um, which is fucked up. Uh but it does feel good to finally just go and say like, yeah, I'm, I'm depressed and uh, I don't feel anything and I'm numb sometimes. And that's when it sucks is when I'm numb. But finally talking to other people makes me feel like, hey, guess what? I actually do feel things. Like, I feel things yeah. again. Like, this is good. This is awesome. Like, because my emotions have been such a good compass for me my entire life. But when it's not there... Um, the whole like purpose thing, the whole passion thing, the whole, uh, just wanting to be anything goes out the window, if that makes any sense. No, it totally, it totally, totally makes sense. You know, I, I don't, I'm other than ADHD and I had a brain injury and the addiction, I don't have any co sort of morbid stuff, you know, like I don't, I don't suffer from an anxiety condition or depression but I've been situationally depressed because of like where I put myself a lot and also untreated alcoholism. Um, like it's, it's extremely depressing. Uh, yeah. but I had, I had one period in my life where, um, I, I got so depressed. Um, I, I remember I went 10 days and all I ate was a hundred calorie Yoplait yogurt and water and diet Coke for like 10 days and uh, I just sat in my room isolated had the lights off and was ex extremely extremely depressed and ironically I was on like six different medications I was on like the most medications I've ever been on my life and like I just like 
didn't want to do anything. Like I couldn't even move. I couldn't function, you know, and it's, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, you know, and it's like, it's funny to talk about it today and look back at that because it's like, uh, I haven't been there in like a long, long time. And like, I attribute that to like the, the work that I do in recovery. Um, because I can get back into those states, um, if I don't take care of myself and have self care, you know, which I guess you'd call scratching your own itch. <laughs> Thanks, my friend. Thank you for plugging yeah. that. <laughs> no, he's, yeah, I mean, uh, it's really odd, too, that, uh, like, what's your, what, what, let me ask you this. What's your, what's your relationship with your body? Like, body image. I'm sorry, what's my relationship with my body image? Yeah. Um, like do you go in the bathroom and cause I have this problem where sometimes I'll go in the bathroom and I literally turn off the lights. Um, and I have a little nightlight where I can see just enough to see like the toilet and everything, but I'm so afraid even dude, I'm like, I'm fit. Like I probably have a better body than most people, but I still d- don't ever believe that it's like enough. And still yeah. like, I'll just go in the bathroom, turn off the lights just so I don't have to stare like so I don't see the mirror, man. Like, I don't want to see myself in the mirror because I hate it. I hate the look. I always feel like it can be better. Um, do you have that at all? No, I, no, I, I definitely do. I don't, I don't think I have it, um, to the same degree. Well, first of all, uh, from the, uh, picture for your podcast, you're a very handsome person. (laughs) So let me just start with that. Um, that, uh, they, um, so I'm like I'm six one, and I oscillate between about 190 and 215 pounds, and uh, I have, I have, like I said, I'm a compulsive eater. I'll eat a thousand calories in the middle of the night at 4 a.m. I still I still do that routinely, um, and then I'll kind of work out laboriously. Not even really like I'm too lazy to lift weights. They're really heavy, <laughs> so I'll like just do the. <laughs> I'll just like do the elliptical, you know, but I'll do it for like long stretches and I never really get anywhere. And it's like, um, I'm never really comfortable with my body's appearance. Um, and, and it's also like, I can't, I could never get like a six pack or like for me to lose weight and get abs, I would have to get to down to like 160 pounds. And then I, my face gets really sucked up, you know, where I'll look unnatural cause my face will look really skinny. And so like, I always am like, that's like a concern. And like, even like, I'll want to like, um, and, and I, I wouldn't consider myself like, I joke around and I'm like, oh, I'm fat, I'm fat. I'm like, I, I definitely have like a love handle and stuff. And, um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm what like people would consider like a, like a normal body, you know? And it's like, I'm still like ashamed of it, you know? Like when I first start to be with some people, like I'll, I'll want to like, keep my shirt on having sex and stuff like that so there's definitely like body image issues with that and, and it's hard to admit that i think as a man you know oh dude i mean it's the worst when when you i mean when you go in and, and you're doing the whole thing you're showing off the family jewels and everything like that for the first time and then and then all of a sudden it comes down to uh, taking it off the shirt. I mean, I, dude, I, I had that all throughout. Even even while I was in shape, like, I hated the fact that they were putting their hands on my body where I felt insecure about. And, like, even, even if I, I saw people that had bodies 
that were quote unquote more out of shape than mine, I still had this disbelief, which it sounds like you do too, uh, this disbelief that you need to work out more and you need to work out harder because that's the only way to get it. Like, and it's, totally. it's, nah, it's so fucking frustrating in that way. Like, why can't the answer just be work more, reward more? That's a hard word it's to like, say. Uh, you know, enough is never enough is what they say for addiction. It's the same for your body, you know? Um, if you have images, if you have issues with your image, you know, it's like there isn't, there's no such thing as like the perfect body. You know? Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. What, what about, um, as far as one, one thing that I always like talking about with addiction is, um, your ability to see the addiction coming. Do you ever see it coming or is it just kind of blind swipe you? Um, well, I think now I'm more aware of my addiction, addictive tendencies as they relate to food and process addictions and process addictions could be any sort of behavior, um, that you take to an excess. And, um, those are things that can disrupt my life, but they're not going to turn it upside down. I'm not going to end up on the street homeless. I'm not going to go to jail because of it. Um, so I'm sort of aware of those mild, um, addiction in general in terms of like, you know, there's a saying that, that they use is like, you know, the relapse happens like months before like you pick up because like it's more like a mindset and it's like you stop doing the sort of self-care positive interventions that are, that are healthy. And um, I think for me, at least I want to speak personally, my mindset starts to shift and I'm just not even aware of it. You know, I'm like, I start becoming sick. I, I choose to call it spiritually sick. I mean, there's people who, you know, who don't necessarily resonate with that language or that sort of avenue to recovery. But when I become spiritually sick, um, the addiction can arrive, like, without me even seeing it, you know? And the beauty of, like, being a, a good person, of actualizing in your life and living along by spiritual principles is that um, if anything kind of sort of creeps up addiction wise, like I'm, I can, I can see it. I can acknowledge it. Like I'm aware of it. Um, but, uh, once I stop doing those stuff and I just sort of like try to just like be the default sort of human that I am, um, and not work at like becoming and, and being a better person, then, um, all of a sudden it'll just be like, I'll find myself like craving again, you know? And that doesn't necessarily mean I'll even pick up, but it's like, when it, once once I get to a point where if I have a, a craving for a drink or a drug, like an actual visceral response, like I need to put a chemical in my body to feel better, that's like I'm in a really fucking dark place. Like, um, and it takes a while. Like if I just today stopped doing everything and just was like white knuckled it and like started being a self centered human being, within a month or two I'd probably have one of those visceral cravings and. At that point, it's like I really need to do something to like change my mindset, um, or like I'm gonna pick up and then all bets are off. Like you don't know what happened. Dude, oh my god, oh like all this stuff about like triggers and all this stuff about uh, what speaks to me is this. Uh, this the, I've never heard of this. What do you call it? The spiritual sickness. Um, spiritual sickness some people call so it a spiritual malady that's like a 12-step language 
Okay. Yeah, I I went to outpatient rehab, not never inpatient. Uh, maybe that's above outpatient grade uh, language. I don't know. And it was never for it was just for alcohol and never anything too serious. Um, but with that being said, dude, like the idea of 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 the relapse happening months before it actually happens. I don't know. I kind of want to call that out. I think it happens seconds. Because I think the music for me is a real awesome relapse trigger mm. uh, for alcohol, uh, certain music or certain friends, like even the tone of their voice. I guess a lot of audio stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, any any triggers for you? Like what are your... Well, it's, it's interesting. So triggers is like, you know, if you go into treatment um, and you're seeing a therapist, some sort of clinician, like a lot of times what they do is they, you have, you make your trigger list and like those are to be avoided. Um, and this is in part just cause I had been running for so long. Uh, like the trigger list wasn't necessarily helpful for me. And that's not to say it's not helpful for other people because I had reached a point where fucking everything was a trigger. You know, I don't like, let's say you speak of even internal triggers, like emotionally, like, oh, I don't feel good. Like I put something in my body. I feel restless, irritable, and discontent. I put something in my body. I feel bored. I'm going to put something in my body. I feel good. I want to enhance that and put something in my body. You know, I'm out on the street. I see like a homeless person. I'm like, oh, like you can go talk to that guy. He probably knows what's up. There's a chance he's an addict. Like that's a trigger. Like everywhere I use, which was everywhere, you know, that's a trigger. You know, being romance and finance, those are triggers. Relationships, triggers, like every single thing had become a trigger in my, in my life. So like if I was to avoid my triggers, I would have to avoid life entirely <laughs> at that point. So I was like, <laughs> I, I needed, and, and, and that's not to say that, you know, um, I still don't like, I, I, I won't, I don't like going to, there's certain things I just don't like doing. And I don't even consider those triggers at this point in my life where it's like, um, I actually like going out with one to three people and them getting shit face. It's, I, it's actually enjoyable for me, but going to a bar where people are taking shots and there's loud music and it's 20 people and I don't know any of them. That's just not fun for me, you know, like, and if I had to do that every night, probably after a while it, it might become like triggering. So but like I just look at it now as just like that's not pleasant. It's not something I want to put myself through because it, it causes anxiety inside me. But like I don't consider it a trigger of me going out. And um, and even like when I got sober, I went through a rehab. And my first job I had after the rehab was um, making syringes for this company called Beckton Dickinson. And I I did a ran these injection molding machines and I'd make literally uh, like a million syringes a week. The bundles the uh, plungers and barrels for the uh, the syringe and so i made and there's the same exact things i used to get high and everyone's like oh you're gonna be triggered you're gonna be triggered and i, I thought that too i was like I, I am gonna be triggered like i shouldn't maybe i shouldn't work here and like my counselor was like just no like go there be honest and talk about it and, and i went and i was triggered at first it was like i saw the syringes and i was like ah, i used to use that to get high but then eventually, because I was doing all this other stuff, these positive self-care interventions in my life, you know, and I was trying to be a better person and connecting with other human beings, after a little bit, those those bun, those um, plungers and barrel rods for the syringes, like all they signified was waking up at 6 a.m. and getting a paycheck on Friday, you know, like it was, 
the the association with it totally went away and and that's because i had a reason to go there it was like a job you know and so i guess i just sort of ask you know what's my reasoning like for you like are you intentionally listening to to music that you know you have associated with drinking because you want to you know get drunk or because like you want to feel blue and then you know sometimes that breed or strand of feeling depressed is like you associate with drinking you know like drinking to the blues whatever you know it's like um but i I really think that like uh we as human beings are pretty versatile and we can as long as we're have the the proper intentions um we can like retrain ourselves to not even be triggered by the things would be originally associated as a trigger (laughs) does that make any sense that makes total sense yeah yeah absolutely yeah uh, it's amazing that your ability to disassociate it once you found that this is no longer a thing. Because, I mean, honestly, too, it's like, I guess it's impractical to even think, like, I'm going to take one of these syringes that I'm literally creating right now and shoot up. Um, like it, Because you haven't done it in a while. I think it's, in a way, it's all about uh, making the right concoction to even get it ready. I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm speaking uh, below my level of intelligence right now, meaning that I don't know much about heroin, but I'm sure it's not um, the easiest process to just take one of those syringes out and then shoot shoot up. Like it takes some steps, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta. Yeah. You gotta. You don't even have to cook it really with the powder. Everyone cooks it, but you don't have to. But you gotta. You know put it in a spoon or bottle cap, add water, draw it up, and then it's like you got to get the syringe, which is separate than buying the dope. So, yeah, it's a process. Yeah. Um, so it just it sounds like there's more, like, work to do than just, I guess, do it right there and then what I'm trying to wrap my head yeah, around. Yeah, and also, but I mean, to say, to circle back to what you're saying and sort of about the – if I had a – my main drug of choice was IV cocaine, and if I had a syringe – loaded full of cocaine um right in front of me and like it had there was some weird scenario where i had to sit there with that syringe in front of me and nobody else was in the room and i had to sit there for hours eventually i'd fucking want to pick it up and and use it you know and then like and it's because it was so impulsive and, and triggering if you will so like there's and that situation i would i would avoid because there was just such a strong association with it and even like for dopey for my podcast dopey podcast i used to post on the opiates subreddit sometimes like occasionally i'd post um a new episode come up and the opiates subreddit people post pictures of the the injections they're about to do and there was this one injection once and it was like the guy had like like 80 units of water out of 100 which i mean unless you an IV user, you know, that's like a lot of water. You wouldn't use that much. And I, I saw it and I was like, saw the picture and I was like, ah, like guys using too much water. And then he wrote beneath it what he actually had in the shot. And it was like a bunch of Dilaudid and like a bunch of cocaine. And I was like, oh, like maybe actually you need that much water. And like I went to sleep and then I woke up the next day and the first thing I thought about was that picture of that injection of that shot that guy was about to do. And I was like, I just shouldn't go on the opiate subreddit anymore. So, like, you know, as for everything I just said, there are still things that, like, trigger-wise that I would avoid in my life today. Wow, dude. That is huge. That is huge because um, it, 
you know, I've talked to people about uh, this sort of like information diet that we should all start doing, like because it's so easy to consume information now, meaning like you can do it any place, anywhere, anytime. And like, what's it even good for? It's like, you should, I'm not saying that uh, like anyone should go out there and be so OCD about the stuff they're actually consuming, but um, anybody that does know that their personality trait is addiction for sure. Um, be more, I think the word comes down to just being mindful and stopping and going like, hey, this thing that used to kind of get me off uh, with my addiction, is this a thing that I should probably be watching? Um, like even people will call into your podcast, for example, and uh, say that like, you know, like they'll sometimes uh, even even know like their podcast, your podcast makes them laugh and shit like that like a lot and it's the only part of their life where it does make them laugh a lot um then they'll go do heroin or something like that and i'm like man they're making their podcast so habitual for people um meaning like dude the like this and i don't want to say like your podcast is a trigger for people because it's certainly not but it could be like later down the road and that's so scary to think about oh for sure and we've actually we grappled with that a lot because we were like um you know, we described sort of like the, the LSD story I told you, that times five sometimes, like super intense stories. And we're like, are these going to trigger people to go out and use? And um, I think what we've seen is mostly not. And the people, um, the people who listen who are in that like pre-contemplative state to stopping – they're already getting triggered other ways. You know what I mean? Like they're already really actively using. So we might encourage them to stop. And then the people who have already stopped who would get triggered by it, they just don't listen. Yeah. Yeah. It's that old notage of no person that's addicted to something's going to get better unless they want to get better themselves. And totally. You, you got to know that. You, I mean, at least that's my opinion like I, I and and I I could be wrong I have I don't have a degree in this I don't have a PhD I don't have a doctorate in it but I do have perspective and my perspective is this that every single time that I've ever gotten good at something or uh, on the very flip side gotten away from something is because I really did like at the end of the day want it <laughs> like no totally and, and you me tell you something that most there's a lot of doctors that don't understand that <laughs> what you just said <laughs> and they need to yeah um hey i want to go into loves and fears which is like an improvised sort of game about like you say something that you super love like it could be um as simple as like you know i love that feeling of a long hot day and then jumping in the shower and even though the water's cold, I've been so hot for all day, uh, the entire day. So it just feels good to finally refresh. Um, what's a current love in your life? <laughs> it's not a very healthy one. Is that all right? That's dude. The the un, uh, the more unhealthy, the better. <laughs> I love uh, coming home and like and having a television show that I'm like really into. Coming home after work whether it's like three, four, five, six, seven o'clock at night, getting a bunch of takeout, um, a pint of ice cream, something sweet, eating a ton of food, eating the sweet thing, 
having the lights off, watching the television show, and overindulging, and then literally the food hitting me and going into a coma and falling asleep. I like that feeling. <laughs> Thank you for for feeling for making me feel so much less alone. <laughs> I'm currently on that track right now. No, I I purposely this is all right and. Like, I have science to back it up, which gives me permission to do it. Um, but it doesn't make it right. But there's actually, like, proven facts that um, your body actually does way better running off of one big meal, one or two big meals a day, because it actually metabolizes through all that food. Um, depending on what you're eating, obviously, I, I'm eating pretty healthy. But, I eat, dude, I eat just, like, 2,000 calorie meals. And when you were talking about binging... I'm like, dude, I'm such an addict with shit. Like, I rather, like, when I start eating, I I don't want to stop until, like, my body's like, dude, you have to stop, man, because you're too full. You can't fit anything in. And then the energy that I don't have anymore is kind of a good thing because then it finally actually puts me to sleep because if I don't, like, if I have too much energy, I just won't go to sleep. Like, that's where insomnia comes in. And so the food for me is, like, that vice or that sort of anti-drug to insomnia in a way, but to just, like, smack your lips on some, like, 3,000-calorie meal for, like, an hour and a half while watching a movie is, like, the definition of what America's turning into, and I don't care. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I do it because, dude, like, it just feels, it feels damn good. Like, I, I can't get over it. Like, I love this idea of consuming uh, something for hours on end, like, and I feel like the ultimate uh, productive fiend too, because like I'll I'll listen to po- I'll listen to your guys' podcast and get some education slash comedy. I'll listen to uh, radio the Radio Lab, like you're talking about earlier. I'll listen to you know or watch like some movie that I would never ever watch because I'm just too hyper wired. Like I feel like I need to get some meaning out of everything, but if I'm like you know, eating something and I'm, my brain's slowing down. Like, I'm like, all right, I can be lazy right now. It's okay. I don't need to be productive <laughs> yeah. everything. But, um, that's a great love. One of my loves, uh, currently right now is, uh, when I finally get done with that last set of my workout. And I know that after that, I'm going to get to go home and eat some food Wait, you, <laughs> I know. i'm sorry you broke up for something when you get done with what when i get done i know that i'm finally gonna get home and eat some food when you get done with work work a workout a workout so, okay i'm sorry yeah i didn't if i cut over like oh you right, yeah. that part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no it's just that um i'm very uh one of my anxieties is is not being able to get all my uh stuff done and so i know that i'm relieved of my anxiety when i wrote down my workout and then all that stuff that I wrote down in my workout actually gets done and finished. Like, that's the best feeling in the world. Totally. By far. Totally. Yep. And then you've earned uh, it, too. You've already, you're in a calorie deficit. So now you can stuff your face and, and be free. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's, what's another love of yours? Um, what's another love? Let me try to think of. I'm trying to, I'm trying to not just kind of like float some bullshit to you. You know, I love. Um, doing dopey with dave uh it's really fun i go to new york city i have a great fucking time i'm sorry if i don't know if we're allowed to to swear on this but um 
I go to New York City and uh, uh, I'll record three to four episodes with them. Um, just stay out late. I have a genuinely really good time there. Yeah. Yeah, you're not allowed to fucking swear, man. So <laughs> please, um, I'm gonna actually have to erase this entire fucking episode. Uh, that sucked. Uh, no, but uh, that's awesome to so just connect with someone. I think um, about something that is so relatable is the best. Yeah. Absolutely, totally. And that's not dopey, dude. That's not dopey at all. Like I, I think that's uh, well, it's kind of. Okay, I seriously didn't need to pun that at all. Um, that's actually super awesome. I didn't mean that's so weird that I just did that. Uh, yeah. Anyways, no, it's not. It's not stupid or anything that you say something like that because that's you guys are. What I love about your podcast is I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but like, you guys are literally bringing bliss to so many people that are in the dark about their addiction because um when when especially when people that are doing their addiction alone like you were saying you're taking robitussin like all alone like i feel so much better now that um and i'm sure there's someone else out there that's listening to this and goes like dude i used to take robitussin too and when i laid in the bed and i felt like two tons and i just sank into the bed when i was on a robitussin trip like I'm not saying, like, go back there and do that because this is not what this podcast is for. But what this podcast is for is making you feel like you're not a dummy for doing it. And you're actually smarter and wiser because of all your mess-ups. Totally. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I wouldn't go back and change. um, You know, some people ask me that, would you go back and change things from your personal history and, like, like and notably my addiction, but obviously and like I I wouldn't do that even with all the consequences, you know. Totally, yeah. What is something though? I gotta ask you. What is something that you fucked up so badly on lately that you would change? Um, there's a few things. Like I have, well, I I broke my neck and my back, and I have nerve damage um, in my arm, in my uh, in my ankles, and there's sometimes I'm like. I would have liked to get into like boxing, you know, and it's like I just can't do that, you know, with my, my ankles being screwed up and my shoulders being screwed up. Like, um, so sometimes there's like physical actual things, uh, repercussions that I have um, from my drug use. Uh, I broke my neck skiing drunk. Um, the ankles is a neuropathy um, from uh, drinking a lot. So it's like uh, I just roll my ankles easier. Uh, and then uh, the. And then, you know, the other stuff more pertains to um, how my addiction affected other people, um, particularly my family, you know, and it's like um, I did a, did a number on my dad uh, uh, and my mom. I think it strained their relationship for a period. It's, it's not anymore. Definitely strained relationship with my brother and my sister. Um, so it's just like that sort of stuff. Like I, I wish I could do without that, but it isn't like a – a specific instance of something I did wrong, you know, um, that I was like, Oh, that one thing I should, I should change that. It was more just like how, like the amalgam of all the stuff I did, like rippled and affected like my, the loved ones in my life. Yeah, totally. Like that's the thing that I would change is not the things that it did to me, but the things it did to people around me. Um, 
Totally. Which, I mean, they they have that saying, you can't change how people feel about you. All you can do is change yourself. Um, yep. Which, you're into sayings, and so am I. So I'm going to use it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um uh, dude, uh, what, what are some fears of yours? Uh, a fear could be, uh, one of my fears is certainly that, um, all this stuff that I try to do with, uh, you know, writing blogs, like, even though it's, 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 it's cathartic in the sense that it feels good to write about depression. It feels good to talk about it. But at the end of the day, like, it's not going to actually save a damn person. Like, it's just uh, almost like masturbation. All it's doing is pleasing myself in the moment. And it's going to be for nothing. Well, uh, that that's one of your fears? Yeah, for sure. I, well, it's funny because Dave and I talk about this um, for Dopey. Where it's like, like, what if the greatest thing Dopey ever does, and we did this talk about this in the beginning, is like just help keep us sober, you know? And um, so for one, it's like, even if all it does is have a cathartic, good experience and help you with your depression, that wouldn't be the end of the world. But I'll also tell you just from like listening to your voice and hearing your perspective, like that fear is unfounded. It's definitely going to help people out there. I hope so. That's my only yeah. hope, but that's all I can do. Like, it's just, that's what I hate about life the most. Yeah. Is I just don't know, man. I just don't know. So. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, you, man? What's your fear? Uh, you know, I think ultimately, I think the root of my fears is like it's usually being alone. Um, and it's that uh, that I'll make choices in relationships, um, you know, with a significant other that um aren't the right choices you know that i'll 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 pass up or i'll self-sabotage um you know something that i shouldn't do uh and i i kind of like you get sober and you think everything's gonna be right you know and perfect and then it's like i still have so much more growth to do uh myself and one of the ways that comes out is like um trying to you know like be with somebody, um, have a partner and then be with that person. And it's like, I, uh, I'm afraid that, um, my own insecurities or my own immaturity or, um, my own, uh, fears will get into, will sabotage, uh, something that could be beautiful, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're currently, it sounds like you're currently in love, huh? Like, yeah, yeah, man. I really the the girl I just started seeing. I like we're, you know, we're I'm super into her. It's the first time, uh, in a long time that I've felt this way. I've sort of been in a lot of relationships where I've been um, unwilling to be vulnerable. And the weird thing is, it's like it's like I don't want to like surrender sort of control, and I'm doing that in this one. But like with it, um, it's sort of like you experience new highs, but then it's like you can experience new lows. Whereas in all my previous sort of relationships, I would just, um, you know, I was like always a, like a nice, pleasant guy and I, I would never cheat. I'm loyal. I'm, you know, a very giving person. 
but I also wouldn't give all of myself emotionally and I'd retain some sort of control there. And then like, because of that, like you never really love somebody deeply. You also can't get hurt. So now it's like, um, I'm trying to love more deeply, but that also means I could get hurt more deeply. And like, uh, that's been hard to deal with, you know, it's been scary to deal with. Why is it that love is like that? It's like the, when things are great, things are great. But when things are bad, they're fucking bad. Like, <laughs> yeah, it can just, bad. like, it, it's just, I guess because we've been talking about addiction with this show, like, it is just like addiction, man. When, when you're, when you're in it, you're in it and, and it's feeling good and the highs are high and the love is good, the sex is good, the sort of the text messages that you send to each other all the time are amazing. Like even rereading them gives you the same bliss as reading them for the first time. And then all of a sudden there's this, there's this thing that happens where it's just like when shit hits the fan, it's just, like, I don't know how people stay married for like 25 years. Like I'll find out when I find out, but (laughs) that idea of just being medium with things and being like just kind of like oh yeah we're together but we're not really together like we're not like having this crazy awesome sex all the time we're just kind of like i fear that that's actually a huge fear of mine is to actually like be in just an okay relationship but not a awesome amazing relationship yeah no and it's like i settled for being in in okay relationships and just being sort of um uh, of, of loving the people I was with but not being in love with them if that makes sense um, for a long time and it's like I don't want to settle for that and like what I've found is that like you know there's infatuation and like the honeymoon period whatever you want to call it that intense thing um, I want that to be like the cornerstone of, of my relationship of who I ever ultimately end up with but like I also understand that like there's going to come a point where like, you know, it's going to be harder work and it's not like, Oh, this person's going to take your breath away every time you see you, um, every time you see them. Uh, and like, I recognize that, but I still just, I do want the cornerstone and the foundation to be some sort of intense thing. And, and maybe it's cause I'm like 33 and like, I'm just, I'm at a point in my life where like, I'm, I'm willing to see that and like put in the work and like find somebody I'm compatible with and settle down, you know? And it's like, I think men, uh, kind of get there a little slower than women. Maybe it's a biological thing, you know? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so true. I think, yeah. (laughs) Is is your girlfriend currently older than you or younger? No, she's my age. Yes. She's She's a a little younger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know if that's true, though, totally. I think it's a good theory, but if uh, you actually believe that theory right now, that's dooming you for failure, and I don't want you to think that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying I'm old, so I'm ready. <laughs> you're, old, you're ready, you're ready for it. Yeah, I, gotcha. I consider oh, myself old now. <laughs> yeah. Dude, 33, you consider, I guess it's all perspective, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think so, my friend. Not at all. Um, any other fears that you have? Uh... Um, any other fears? I mean, I have, like, I guess simple, smaller things, but, like, you know, the real ones that, like, control my, my life is the one, you know, 
I think fear of being alone, fear of being a failure, you know, there's those are some of like the real deep seated stuff. Um, I mean, I don't like spiders. I mean, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not an arachnophobe. What about you? Anything, any other fears? Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, the fear that uh, my dad will die and I don't know what I'll do without him um, at all. Uh, yeah. Just because he, because of my, um, I, I have agoraphobia, which means I don't get out very much. Uh, which sounds really like horrid for anybody that's listening right now. And it's actually amazing. Like you set up these little uh, things within your comfort zone and these things that uh, still make you connect with people, even though you're not going outside all the time. And I have like a hard time like going to, for example, uh, grocery stores and feeling like uh, someone's going to attack me at any moment. Like even good people, like even like a, someone from like the movie Pleasantville, um, someone that just is kind. I feel like they have, still have this ability to like hurt me. Um, yeah. and I could take care of myself. It's just like, I would never want to punch that lady or hurt that person. Cause I know what happens to me when I do lose control hmm. and, um, that anxiety, uh, keeps me in a lot. And my dad right now, I, I it sounds ridiculous talking about it out loud, but no, like, it's he, ridiculous. He, he takes, he takes care of me so much right now. Um, and uh he you know he gets me groceries if i need to get groceries like if i'm just not feeling up to going out like i can i'm totally capable but he knows that it gives me anxiety to do stuff like that or um he uh, he also is just there for me when i need like hey dude like i need to just talk to someone about this shit that's on my mind when i don't have other people to talk to like just the real deep shit um i guess with what this podcast is about uh, i definitely fear just him not being around though um to uh let me be me because i don't know how many people would deal with someone that's like binging on food every night that's like a, a work workout aholic that always has to be like moving like constantly like i have a little exercise bike that i'm just constantly doing work on um i have these obsessions with uh with that one big meal a night and I just want to be totally alone. Like, don't, don't bother me at all, please. Like, uh, while I'm eating, like, I just, I find this to be the only time where I can get like total peace to just do me. If that makes sense at all. Totally. Yeah. And I can, I mean, I can relate probably in a, on the same level with the agoraphobia thing is like, you know, there was periods where like, I just wanted to be, and it wasn't necessarily a, a fear of like open spaces or fear of people as much as it's just like extreme isolation and me just wanting to reject connection with any other human being. And like, um, I don't know if with your, the agoraphobia piece, is it, um, hard to connect with other people or, um, is it just really related to going outside? For me, uh, right now, it's 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 just going outside. I had that for a little bit where I would try to talk to someone and I'd make such a complete fool of myself, thinking I actually made a fool of myself, which I probably didn't. Yeah. But inside your head, you did already, which is the same thing as actually doing that. So, like, I would, you know, um, 
this is, I think, why a lot of writers become agoraphobics is because um, they're really good at writing down what happened in their head, and then they tell themselves really awesome, fantasical stories. So I was doing, like, the best writing of my life during that time. But as far as, like, getting out and actually, like, having human, like, connection, um, I'll tell you what, dude. Like, I would actually have connection for the first time in, like, six days of not talking to someone, and just someone's voice, their vibrations of their voice would give me tingles up my back like making me feel like I was having an orgasm, which is really oh fucked God. up. <laughs> that's but crazy, that, dude. That's just how strong the stimulus was to my body uh, of actually like sitting there being with someone and hearing their voice because I wasn't getting that from like a real thing other than just like movies or TV shows or, um, you know, a podcast. Like the actual organic like face-to-face contact would give me uh, the same sensations as an orgasm just listening to them speak, which was really wild. I've never shared that before in my life. That's by the way. really cool. You got you should write about that, man. You should you got to resurface back in the beginning of a podcast and talk about that because that's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you brought it out of me, dude. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's a thing. Um, I mean. I would I would say that isolation is the best thing and the worst thing for anybody. It can be the best thing because it can really hone you on what you love in life, and it can also take you away from anybody that uh, really matters in life. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Um, but, uh, dude, this has been great. Um, this has been awesome. I would love to talk to you all day. You shared so much, dude. So much, Chris. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to continue to listen to Dopey Podcast because it does, um, even though I feel like a, a freakazoid when a lot of the stories that you guys share on there, I'm eating away. I just want you to know I'm painting this picture for you. I'm literally eating mountains and mountains of vegetables and mountains of eggs and um loading them up with uh fake sugars because that's a weird fucked up thing that i currently have in my life where i like (laughs) using fake sugars on my food um but uh i love your podcast because it's it's able to do this thing where it is it's so cathartic to hear somebody have these problems with addiction and go like hey like you're not the only one i know i've talked about that a lot like just not feeling like alone is a big reason why I do this podcast is the one sole proprietor. I think of what's going to make this world a better place is just feeling a little bit more connected. Um, I have a little like quick rapid fire questionnaire that I'd like to do with you is if that's okay with you though. Of course. Yeah, man, of course. whatever. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, with that being said, uh, do you get energy from being alone or being around people? Alone. Intuitive thinking, work with meaning or work with abstraction? Meaning. Audiobooks or reading? Uh, repeat, sorry, it broke up for a second. What was the next one? It's fine. Uh, audiobooks or reading? Oh, uh... Probably reading, but I do more audiobooks. <laughs> That's one of the cut corners that I do all the time. <laughs> yeah, cutting corners, exactly. <laughs> like I just, 
I love being able to, to do something else while I'm listening to a book. Yeah. And exactly. no, no one actually points it out. Like all these like billionaires and shit that say they read like, you know, four, 40 books in a week. Like, no, fuck no. No, you're not. Like, you're not just sitting there reading a book. Like, I yeah. know you're listening to that shit. <laughs> just be honest about it. Um, uh, sit or stand? Uh, sit. Dog or cat? Cat. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Ooh, okay. TV or book? TV. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Work hard or play hard? Uh, we'll play hard. Do you like Do you like working alone or do you like working with a group of people? You know, it's like back to the introversion thing. Like getting, you know, I get energy from being alone. I prefer to work alone, but I'm happier when I'm with people, and I'm happier when I work with people. So it's kind of like a, a paradox. A paradox, yeah. I love that. Um. How about introvert or extrovert? After the, the way you answer that, I kind of know. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, favorite W out of w- these questions, what, where, why, or when, which W is more important to you? I'd say why. Nice, nice. I like why. Mac or PC? Mac. When you're sleeping. Fan or no fan? Fan. Ninjas or pirates? Ninjas. Ooh, okay. Meat or vegetables? Uh, meat. <laughs> All right, man. And the last one, change your past or change your bank account dollar amount? Uh... Change your bank account because I don't really care about changing my past. If you change your past or do nothing, I wouldn't change it. No, dude. I think it, it makes a. It's funny when people actually do, um, think about that question like hard. It's like, would I change? Because if you changed your past, like you have now the ability to possibly uh, set yourself up for better success, like set yourself up for actually a higher dollar amount but if you can buy bitcoins and, yeah exactly <laughs> buy bitcoins and you have dude and you have time which is worth more than money it's true that is true um so maybe change your past right i don't i want you to change your hey dude your, your answer is good i love your answer um uh one thing with all this now that i know and i know all these things about you I feel like I get a sense of who you are, and I know how you'll answer this, but maybe other people don't. Uh, now we we really have an inside scoop of who Chris is as a person and what he loves and what he hates. Um, and after sharing all these stories, what do you think I think of you now? Sorry, repeat that. What do I think what? What do you think... Like, what do you think my opinion of you is now that you've shared all this? Um, I hope that uh, it's a positive one. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> That's a funny <laughs> question. That's a funny question. No, I'm just I'm just experimenting with the question. Someone asked me the other day that question. I was like, dude, that's interesting. I want to throw that on someone, see what they say. 
Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a hard question to answer. I mean, I, I hope it's a good one. I'll just leave it with that. Well, it is, dude. Like, I love this conversation through and through. Like I said, I could talk to you all day. I hope one day maybe I could, like, I don't know, guest star on Dopey Podcast if you guys ever want me on. Um, I'd love to do something like that. Or uh, you could come back on with Dave. That would be super dope, too. And you guys could uh, be superheroes on my podcast. And um, For sure, man. We'd love to have you on. And we'll, we'll, we'll tell us when you're up and running, and we'll give you a shout-out, too, from um, uh, on our show. Dude, thank you so much, dude. That'd be yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. So you guys have been listening to Scratch Your Own Itch podcast. Chris definitely helped a lot of you feel less alone. I know he did me. Um, he also shared some great stories about his addiction, triggers, um, dropped some huge knowledge bombs, which I didn't expect to come up with at all. This guy, even though he feels like he cuts corners and that has this huge awesome in it ability to still gather amazing information of from from his classes that he's currently taking or i think just um i think it's just dude i think it's you um having a real good technique of the way you learn versus what the quote-unquote way is to learn um i think you have a very good way of learning that works for you um even though yeah you, yeah i think it's working I'm, yeah. it's working for now i'll change it if it stops yeah <laughs> so keep doing what you're doing except don't uh do anything bad for yourself um but even those little bad things sometimes we got to kick ourselves in the ass and then uh we just got to be smart enough to realize that we are kicking ourselves in the ass and we shouldn't keep doing it because then our ass is going to hurt so much that uh, it might fall off, and we we don't want any of that stuff, not at all. Um, <laughs> totally. But uh, I'll That's say awesome. uh, say goodbye, and um, we'll be in in touch, right? Yeah. Thank you, Logan. Man, this was great. It was a pleasure, honor, and a privilege. Thank you, Chris. <laughs>
just as much as drugs. And those negative thoughts can lead to some sort of termination of something great. And that something great is you. Don't ever forget, you matter. Alright guys, I'll catch you next time. You guys are enough.